Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Kick off your future with the law firm, Gondorian Murad. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys, Visit camlawyers.com and mention the show. They will score you a discount. All you got to do, mention your pals G&D to get that discount. You can visit them at camlawyers.com. Beltway Blitz time. We'll go around the NFL and break down the Capitals who have a game tonight at Capital One Arena at 7 o'clock against the Ducks, one of the worst teams in hockey. Got to get a win. It's all coming up on the Blitz. Let's get it popping. We begin with our guy Earl Forsey. You just heard him keeping us up to date a couple of minutes ago, top of the hour. Earl, it is a new day, my friend. Adam Peters introduces the new general manager. Josh Harris sitting next to him. How about this ownership group? It took them like right around, I don't know, 96 hours to get their guy when they started the GM search. Yeah, this time last week. By the way, uh, happy GM Day in D.C., Grant. Uh, yeah, you know, this time last week I was talking about, well, they're lining up interviews. Bang. For, I, I talked about it this weekend on Countdown to Kickoff. But, you know, by the weekend, they've got their guy. I mean, th- this is a good sign. And great sign that a guy who was sought after by everyone the last couple of years in the NFL, uh, a, apparently and should be competent football voice, one of the best in the NFL, Wanted to work here. I mean, it is, it's a it's a dawn of a new era. There's no doubt about that, guys. It's a new day in D.C. He said all the right things today. Look, and he's going to build through the draft. you got to trust him, right? And you have to trust uh, Josh Harris. This was a big offseason for new ownership. I was among those that was critical of them for just standing back and letting Ron Rivera destroy the franchise, basically the final year here in D.C. But They've hit the ground running. Obviously, these things have been in the works. They hired the right people, let these dominoes fall into place. And uh, now we'll see about the head coach, which could be a while, you know, depending on who they want and guys still av- uh, alive in the playoffs. But, yeah, this is – I mean, it's mm, – smell the success in Washington. They've gone from – and I put this on Twitter, posted this weekend. Legitimately, you can make a case they've gone from a laughing stock franchise to one of the top front offices in the NFL with one great hire, that guy. Quantify that, Earl, because I think that's the point I'm trying to hammer home. Is it's impossible not to look back seven months ago, where if you know if the old ownership group called Adam Peters, he'd have gone, oh, "This is not Adam. You got the wrong number. Okay, bye." Like it would have been a, like, "There's no way." Now he's seeking no. that job out, turning down others. I think it's a it's really really important to quantify how different it was less than a year ago. 
a guy could have worked anywhere, and he was working. I mean, you know, here, Danny, the, yesterday I saw the the commanders put out the the slow motion Adam Peters and family arriving in D.C. thing, and it was it was snowing and miserable at Dulles, and I'm thinking to myself, oh man, he's coming from San Francisco into this. I hope we don't get a Belichick, you know, press conference. Well, I'm resigning as head. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so th- that didn't happen. The weather didn't scare him away. Yeah, you're right, and you know. Th- you listen to everyone, and they've been saying it around the NFL. We say it. We're close to it, though. Nationally, the, the perspective, you know, is different from everyone around here. And you, the Ashburn syndrome, they think they've got a, 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 a roster loaded with studs and, you know, whatever. Um, but this is a really good job. You don't see situations like this. He was asked about it t- today. The you, You're taking over a situation. He's starting from scratch. We are as a fan base, too, but – this is, and I think Grant has bought, brought this up, the big triple, you know, new owner, new GM, new head coach, and new quarterback. So it's 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 a kind of a grand slam to start this thing. You don't get these opportunities much. And we have ownership now that you can say, okay, they know what they're doing. They made the right move, a great hire. Now you hope that hire, Adam Peters, makes the great hire as head coach, and then those two combine make the right choice when it comes to quarterback number two in the draft. Yeah, the old commander's slam of an offseason so Earl a next stop for him head coaching search they got interviews they've already done a couple of them last week with guys who didn't have game including Mike McDonald of the Ravens Uh, now they start again tomorrow with interviews all week long Uh, who do you think they land on who do you want who wouldn't you want um who wouldn't I want probably not Belichick at this point those guys Belichick and look we talked last week Vrabel is interesting just because of who he is, but, you know, he's a slightly more successful version of Ron Rivera. I'm with everybody else that it just something new would be nice, something offensive. I mean, like offensive football, not offensive, but offensive uh, would be nice. Ben Johnson is the guy. The the national media and, and, uh, you know, everyone that the insiders keep saying that that's the target. Diana Rossini came out and said that. Uh, and it, one of the many, and she's got the local ties, obviously. We don't know. John Kahn, ESPN, has been close. He's been close to the vest of saying, wait, pump the brakes. You know, it's not a done deal. But here's the thing we will know. If it takes a while, if they don't hire anybody right away, it's one of those guys that's still working for another team. And the, the, the Ben Johnson thing, I think that's obviously the target. And Peters and Johnson have been linked, you know, since Peters' name came up a week ago uh, here. And the thing they're going to have to probably outbid the Carolina Panthers uh, for him. Now, you've got a billionaire owner that's not afraid to spend money down there. And I, this is a much better situation with the choosing your quarterback and money to spend, free agency, and the second pick. But that's a guy down there that could just throw so much money at a guy that you want that it could make it impossible for you to get him. But they hit their target with the GM. I think they're going to hit their target with the coach, and that target seems to be Ben Johnson. And I know you'd be happy about that, Grant. Earl, what's an appropriate timetable for fans to say, okay, Kat, can you show me something now? I'm going to be patient. I've, I fully plan on not really worrying about what the record is this year as they try to implement all these sweeping changes. But in general, big picture for fans, when should they be looking at their watch going, okay, where are my results? Well, a little bit of patience. I'm saying uh, week two, maybe. No, I'm just, um, <laughs> the, first <laughs> season is, <laughs> the first season is interesting because we have, we're seeing it right now. Uh, Houston, you know, that's your model. Everyone wants to be Baltimore and San Fran. I know all this stuff, but Houston right there, they were 3-13-1 a year ago. And the fan base this time last year was livid because they won a game that cost them the number one pick. 
the right guy fell to him. They made the right choice at head coach. Look what they're doing. I mean, that with the young quarterback doing what he's doing, that's the model. I, I don't think that's the expectation. That That's kind of rare. But I'm not one of those guys. I, I understand the, the complexities of today's NFL. I don't think the football is hard mantra. I, I look at it as it's still football, and there's ways to get it done, and not everyone involved with GMs and head coaches are, are, are you know, part of the Mensa society. Uh, you know, it's, it's still kind of the way it used to be. Fast guys, strong guys win. And better players win football games, and that's the key with the Adam Peters hire. Uh, hopefully now you'll have a lot more better players than you used to, and when you start doing that with competent coaching and ownership, that adds up and potentially pretty quickly uh, to success. But you can get it done quickly in the NFL. I'd be kind of disappointed if they, you know, don't kind of win a few games next year. Maybe, you know, they'll flirt with something, a late season run. And At we least can see you, we've some seen of the multiple guys examples bring that in, it happens. Players yeah. in the draft or free agency start to hit. Uh, Earl will be listening this weekend, buddy. Thank you. Yep. Got a lot to talk about, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Earl. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, you will hear Earl again coming up in a little under 20 minutes here on The Fan. Let's keep the blitz moving. Our guy, Nate Davis, waiting from USA Today. Nate, before we get into some of the games of the weekend, tangentially related here, I just got an email into my inbox from uh, Offshore where Bet Online is asking if Mike McCarthy, Mike Tomlin, and Nick Sirianni are going to be head coaches in their current gigs in week one of next season. So answer that for me. McCarthy, Tomlin, Sirianni, which are still the head coaches in their respective jobs in week one? Well, my good buddy at uh, NFL.com, Mike Garofalo, just reported that Tomlin has told the team he'll be back for uh, for your number 18. So it looks like you can take his name uh, off the board. Um, you know, the the other two, you know, Jerry Jones and Jeffrey Lurie are going to have to, you know, do some soul searching. Uh, you know, we, we saw two shocked owners over the last uh, two days. Um, and, you know, I think, frankly, a lot of people kind of saw this coming uh, for both teams for a little while. I mean, the question now is, is what do you do? And I mean, you know, Jerry Jones seen his team not go to the NFC championship game since 1995. And I think, you know, the Cowboys are the first team to go 12, win 12 games three years in a row and, and not get that far. Um, it, they didn't look ready to go against green Bay, obviously, which has kind of been a theme with them in the playoffs near Mike McCarthy. So I, I think there's something there to that one. Um, you, you know, Sirianni, obviously, you know, you, you, it sure, sure seems like there are going to be some, some changes uh, coming there. I mean, they've already made changes, you know, m- midstream with that team. But um, do you have an appetite to camp coach the guy to the Super Bowl last year has gotten you to the playoffs three years in a row? I find that one a little a little less likely. But, you know, the thing is, too, guys, is I just – and I think we talked about this last time, is I, I don't remember there ever being a coaching cycle where you had, you know, the likes of Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick and Mike Rabel – um, you know, out out there, PP uh, Carroll out there, you know, wait, waiting for for a job. So, you know, if you're if you're these owners, you know, I, I don't know how you navigate back during those talks. I mean, I, I do. You know, you, you back to those talks and try to figure out, you know, do, do you go behind door number two or stick with what you got? But um, it's going to be an interesting balancing act for for all those teams, um, particularly I think with Philly. Nate, speaking of the Eagles, I I can't get over this now. Just for you know, full transparency, when they scored right before halftime to make it 16-9, ultimately didn't get the two-point conversion or whatever, but I thought they were going to win the game. I thought Tampa had messed around, dropped enough passes. They let Philly back into it. 
I couldn't have been more wrong. They got boat raced in the second half. This one and seven, or whatever it is, one and six, I guess, collapse after starting 10 and one. They're going to be a 30 for 30 about this thing at, at some point. I, I, can you remember anything like this? I can. Uh, you know, I, I think probably with the Eagles, it's just a little bit more high profile. I mean, the Dolphins kind of had the same thing last year, I think. Uh, I remember the, the New York Jets being 10 and one, you know, back in the 80s and, and them going 0 and 5 down the stretch before getting in the playoffs so i mean it's not it's not unprecedented um i think just you know the, the eagles certainly they're, they're, there's more there with the team coming off a, a super bowl appearance um and, and obviously the expectations uh that they had but i mean this was a systemic failure coaching you know players uh to just just all of it so uh it's, it's it would be interesting to see how they, how they come back from this and, and if it's you know frankly if it's more of a cultural issue um than, than a schematic one but but i think i think they really got to do a, a, a real holistic uh, evaluation of where they are. Stage is set. Double dip on Saturday and on Sunday. Early game Texans-Ravens, late game Packers-49ers on Saturday. And then on Sunday, you get the Bucks and the Lions and the Chiefs and the Bills to wind the weekend down. The winners go on to the conference championship games. Which slate is better, Saturday's tandem or Sunday's duo? Oh, I, I think Sunday. Uh, you, you know, I think I think Saturday. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of people picking against the Ravens uh, or the 49ers. You know, hopefully they're they're, they're good games. You know, certainly as a San Francisco game, it's going to be two teams that, that very much know what, what the other one's doing. But I, I think both those lines are, are pretty close to, to double digits, if not a double digits. Um, I think he goes Sunday. Uh, you, you know, the, the Chiefs have obviously beaten the Bills two two of the last three years, eliminated them from the playoffs. That is, but. Um, finally, they're they're going up to Orchard Park, um, see how they fare uh, up there with what certainly has looked like a weakened offense. But you know, will, will that defense? You know, how, how, what are they going to do with Josh Allen? Uh, plus the fact that they're going to have a two two extra days of rest um, on, on the Bills. But um, so that, that that to me that that's kind of easily the game of the weekend. Uh, and I think Lions Bucks could be could be sneaky good. I mean, those teams played uh, earlier this this, this year. Uh, D- Detroit, you know, winning pretty handily. On, on the road, but, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield and that team, you know, playing, playing with no fear, you know, nothing to lose. Uh, and, and, you know, certainly enough guys in that team with, with Super Bowl backgrounds uh, that I think that that should be, you know, you certainly, you, you could say that that's a more experienced playoff team than, than Detroit. Um, so looking forward to that one as well. Nate, thank you as always, buddy. Have a great week. Thank you guys. You got it, man. Let's hit that capital sounder dares. My guy, that's Ben Raby's music capitals radio joins us here on G and D. Ben, I, I hate, like, must win is not a thing, obviously. Like, we're talking about the regular season. But against a bad team at home, like Anaheim, it'd be really nice to have a couple of points, huh? You know what we call these? This is an auto-win game. You're playing a struggling Anaheim Ducks team. Granted, they are coming off a win yesterday in Florida, but just their sixth in their last 28 games. A rebuilding club, not at full strength, dealing with the injury bug is Anaheim. And I referenced, they played yesterday in Florida, Second of back-to-backs, you hope from a Capitals perspective you could get on them early. You could take advantage of potentially a vulnerable club you've already beaten once this year in their place in Anaheim in late November. So, yes, not a must-win, but given that the Capitals have aspirations of climbing the standings, moving into the top eight in the Eastern Conference, they have ground to make up. This is not a win game. This is one they ought to have. Ovi did not play in either of the games with the Rangers this weekend. What's the latest on him? 
Once again, we're going with the company line of game time decision. I'll tell you, fellas, he was on the ice this morning at the morning skate in Arlington, so that was an encouraging sign. But the antenna goes up a little bit. He didn't take his usual reps with the power play unit, so that could suggest could be looking at a third straight game without Ovechkin. That said, I will say quickly, among the highlights over the weekend for the Capitals, a top line of Pacioretty, Oshie, and Strom played big minutes, trying to pick up the slack without number eight. Those three collectively as a trio, they looked really good, Oshie, Strom, and Pacioretty together. So this Ovechkin goal-scoring pace it just sort of seems to be what we're on right now, right, for this year. Whether that holds true for the rest of his career, we don't know. But they're missing goal scoring. They're one of the only teams, I think, in the whole Eastern Conference without 100 goals as a team yet. Who needs to pick up the pace to kind of make up the slack here, Ben? Yeah, I think it's not only Ovechkin, though a boost from him. You've counted on him for so long. That would certainly be a welcome addition. I think their secondary scoring, I think one area that the team has collectively acknowledged they'd like to see more of is collectively from the back end contributions from the blue line you look at around the league a lot of teams you know with mobile defensemen were able to find the back of the net it's an area that right now capitals haven't necessarily been getting that secondary production uh from the back end and i think they're looking from consistency from if you want to call it a middle line second third line whatever it is the kuznetsov line if you will uh i think right now that you know you're, you're getting goals from the Nick Dowds and the Anthony Manthas, which is great. It's great to see Anthony Mantha having a strong start this year. Uh, but I think there are others, you know, in that middle six, whose nets off certainly comes to mind. Pacioretty has looked good seven games into his season debut, coming back from the torn, uh, from the uh, Achilles tendon. Uh, that said, he's a noted 30-goal scorer six times in his career. He has acknowledged it's great that he's playing well and feeling good. He wants to contribute and find the back of the net with some regularity starting soon as well. The best thing the Caps have going for themselves, obviously, is the games in hand. But in the grand scheme of things, all of a sudden, the East is really bunched up. You know, some teams have gotten hot at different times. The Islanders, the Penguins have completely turned their season around, to say the least. The Devils have been rolling here over the last couple of weeks all in the Metro. Uh, give us kind of the State of the Union on Operation Make the Playoffs. Competition stiff, and I, I, something I'll go back to from the start of the year, I felt confident in saying it wasn't a hot take. I felt confident in saying the Capitals would have a better season and be a better team than they were a year ago, but did that guarantee them a postseason berth? Not necessarily. Why? Because the competition around them is very – it's going to be heated down the stretch. The Red Wings are enjoying a bounce-back season. They're in the thick of the race. It's interesting. You look at the standings right now. The New Jersey Devils, a very, very good team with aspirations of making a deep run. They, too, as of today, on the outside of a postseason berth. So the competition around the Capitals is uh, is very strong, which is why, you know, even a game like tonight, it's game one out of 80, you know, it's one out of 82. It's an interconference game on a, you know, Tuesday night in January. Two valuable points, bringing them back full circle. This is one if the Capitals want to gain ground here. They ought to have it because the teams around them have seemingly all been collecting points of late, and as a result, Capitals find themselves in a position where they do now have ground to make up. Benjamin, thank you as always, buddy. Be well. All right. Appreciate it, fellas. Thank you. Speaking of the Capitals, we will have Charlie Lindgren on the show in this 4 o'clock segment, blitzing and talking Caps with us tomorrow, which we're really excited about. So make note of that, Caps fans. Charlie Lindgren 
who's taken over essentially as their number one goalie, got back-to-back starts and was fantastic even in the loss to the Rangers over the weekend. Uh, He'll be on Grant and Danny tomorrow. Jay Gruden stops by at 5. We have not had a chance yet to just break down some of the playoff action that we watched. So let's go through some of the games next right here on The Fan. They run it. Flacco dials it up. Picked off again. Christian Harris is going to go. Back-to-back pick sixes. Houston, you have no problem with this defense. Grant and Danny on the fan. Looking back at six wild card weekend playoff games. There weren't as many tight games as you'd like. Not a whole lot of football coming down to the wire. I feel like that happens sometimes, a wild card weekend. Now, it didn't go the way I thought. I think a lot of underdogs won in ways that we didn't think was possible. I think Green Bay and you know, Tampa Bay rolled Philadelphia. But well, Five of the six home teams yeah. won. So those are your, your hosts that won divisions. Mm-hmm. But to your point, in some of those cases, like the Eagles at the Bucks, you know, the expectation was that Philly wouldn't have many problems. But let's start. Let's go in reverse order because people just watched the games last night. We'll work our way all the way back to the Browns and the Texans, which feels like it was forever ago on Saturday afternoon now. The Bucks absolutely destroying Philadelphia. I was shocked. This was actually the game, arguably, I was maybe the most confident in, frankly, going into the weekend. I didn't take Philly in the points or anything like that uh, with money, but I thought the Eagles, as bad as they are, and they've stunk for several weeks, they got a gift. They get to play the Bucs. Baker Mayfield's not 100%. Tampa Bay's not a real playoff team. They're 9-8. and eight. That was a terrible division. They didn't beat anybody this year. And then they just destroyed Philly. Mm-hmm. They were up 13 to nothing early. The game was really never close. Mayfield was awesome, 337-3. and three. When he did make mistakes, Philly would drop potential interceptions. The Eagles looked bad. Their coaching staff, with Shane Steichen, their OC from a year ago in Indy, and Jonathan Gannon, their DC from a year ago in Arizona, has had no answers for a couple of months. Nick Sirianni could lose his job. It was that bad. Crazy to think about. Yeah. I mean, when when Philly scored after that long pass to Devontae Smith, and then play action to Goddard, to, to, to cut it to 16-9, they ultimately would go for two, didn't get it. I thought they were going to come back and win the game, despite all their struggles, because Tampa Bay refused to catch passes in that first half. So many points left on the board, so many first downs, so many opportunities. I think Kate Otten had three drops by himself, and you know half of the Mayfield's passes, it seems like, were getting swatted to the ground by Tampa receivers. And you're going, this is a playoff game. You can't let a team hang around like that. I guess maybe you can if they're struggling that badly. I mean, I I am stunned. Now, I picked Tampa to win I, I, in our confidence points picks. I thought Philly was that bad. I thought they would eke it out. Not a 32-9 bludgeoning that, as you said, was never really that close. DeAndre Swift ran for nine and three yards, 12 yards on the first two plays of the game. And then he didn't touch the ball again, like 14 offensive snaps. I couldn't believe the lack of adjusting being done by O.C. Brian Johnson Head coach Nick Sirianni. I thought Bulls and the defensive staff for Tampa Bay just took their lunch. Blitz, 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 and blitz again. Yeah, that's all they did. They mm-hmm. just threw blitzes at him, and there was no adjustment made. Jalen Hurts has been an issue. Like last year, Jalen Hurts was a problem, the way Lewis Riddick says it, where Jalen Hurts is just really good and no one can stop him. 
Jalen Hurts is an Eagles problem if he can't figure this thing out. Because this year and, and two years ago were kind of similar, and last year is the outlier, and they paid him all of the money. But their defense, abysmal. They couldn't stop anything. Run, pass, didn't matter. The Bucks just did whatever they wanted. Baker Mayfield, for the second time in his career, the quarterback of a team that won a playoff game. We fought so hard to get to this point, to get a chance to be in the playoffs, and I'm so proud of this team tonight, the way we came out and started fast. Um, I just, I'm so proud. And so we want to give ourselves a chance, and now we, we did just that. We can play better than we did tonight, but it's on to the next one, so we're on to Detroit. ESPN telecast with the interview of Mayfield last night. Jason Kelsey has already informed teammates this morning that he will be retiring. The big question is Sirianni's future. Now Everyone's talking about Belichick to Dallas. Belichick to Philly was kind of rumored as well mm-hmm. with Sirianni on hot water. It's amazing because, you know, I was of the belief going into this game. I was talking to Eagles fans over the weekend. There's no way they fire Nick Sirianni. He's been there three years, winning seasons three times. The last two years, 25-9. and nine. They won 14 and 11 games. They were the NFC champions and a Super Bowl team last year. But you kind of had to just watch this unfold to, to understand. Yeah. From 10-1, and one, where I thought they luck-boxed their way into several wins, to whatever the last five or six weeks has been, something is broken. So if Sirianni's back, they need two new coordinators and maybe like wholesale changes on a couple, and maybe on the defensive side of the ball. But I, I would bet right now this moment that he's not back if wow. I had to bet. I, I would bet on him returning with some changes in mind. Just because I, I think people, the way that it happened, right? If you tell me the Super Bowl losing team has a hangover the following year and doesn't achieve to the same degree, I go, yeah, they can get in line with the other 60 teams that have done that, right? But this felt different, to your point, the way that it happened. They went from 10-1, and 1, and I think the real story is they weren't really 10-1. and 1. Their record said that, but they weren't a 10-1 and 1 team. They're probably like a 7-4 and 4 team. Not that that's bad, but... Had that happened, and then they kind of fell apart down the stretch, okay. But going from 10-1 and 1 to this dysfunctional group that doesn't seem to be getting along, that seems to be broken in every uh, corner. I mean, we're going to find out. I mean, I'm doing semi-shtick here. We're going to find out in, like, two years that, like, everybody was, like, hooking up with everybody's girlfriend or wife or something like that, and everyone hated each other. Like, seriously, some kind of crazy chemistry-breaking thing happened for this Eagles team that was so good, and that was their homework last year. That got weird for a second. Right then it got weird. Uh, all right, let's get to the AFC and to a snow game in Buffalo and Orchard Park where the weather ended up being fantastic. They moved the game a day. People were very upset about that, but there was an actual blizzard. I don't even know if we would have been able to see what was going on based on some of the videos of the time frame when the game was supposed to have been played. Then you got just a cold weather day in Buffalo. Steelers and Bills yesterday, Buffalo behind three Josh Allen touchdown passes and a 52-yard touchdown run Ran away with the game 31 to 17. Josh steps up and he's going to get the first down. Oh, and there he goes. No one's going to get him. Incredible breaks it for the touchdown. 52 yards. On that play, we got a problem here, I think. Everyone's afraid to hit the quarterback now. Yes. And I don't just mean in the pocket, I mean, period. But in the span of like 20 real-life minutes, we saw Josh Allen there. It wasn't completely Kenny Pickett at Pitt, but it kind of was. The fake slide where like you kind of stop your momentum like you're about to slide, 
And so the DBs start to brace for that because, God forbid, they go down to hit you as you're sliding. It's an automatic Then it 15. turns dirty, yeah. So if you watch that play, there's definitely a, a brief moment where it looks like he's about to slide. And I think it did prevent the Steelers from actually trying to do their jobs and, and hit him. Uh, then, like, 10 minutes later in the game, he slides, and a guy does hit him kind of simultaneously, and he gets flagged 15 yards. So I don't really know what you're supposed to do defensively if a guy's going to kind of mimic a slide even for a hesitation step, basically. But Allen was just awesome. All-purpose, 275 and four touchdowns, best player on the field. Give Pittsburgh credit because they made it a game for longer than people thought. It was a 24-17 game with about seven minutes to play. But eventually, the Bills, who were just better, won their sixth in a row, counting back to the regular season. It looked like a, a classic Pittsburgh from this year type situation where they were completely outmanned, outgunned, out-everythinged, that blocked field goal. All of a sudden, they're in it again. They turn a, a weird play into a touchdown. Next thing you know, they're in it somehow, some way, just because this is who they are. They, they've been punching above their weight class all season. They're probably a 6-11 and 11 caliber team, and yet here they were in the postseason on the road trying to overcome a 21-point deficit with one of the worst offenses the sport has to offer. Buffalo was too much. Really, it was Josh Allen was too much, kind of to your point. Um, they ran it just enough with Cook and, and Ty Johnson combined for over 100 yards. That doesn't sound like that much, but against Pittsburgh. 26 attempts. Yeah. They I, ran it a lot. They did. More more than maybe I thought they, they were going to at They've various points. They've been doing that the whole second half, though. Yeah. Really, since they went away from Dorsey and um, changed coordinators, they have been a, I don't want to say run first, but they're way more physical. They run they're the willing to pound that a little bit more. A lot more. Uh, yeah, and Josh Allen's a big part of that, especially in the playoffs. You know, he's going to carry the ball. So they set up a big matchup at home with the Chiefs next week. One thing on the Steelers. Uh, so Mike Tomlin, after the game, walked out on a press conference when he was asked about his contract. He apparently has told the team he plans on coming back because there was some speculation maybe he'd step away or you know try to finagle an opportunity elsewhere because it's been a long run. He's now the longest tenured head coach uh, in the NFL uh, with the Steelers. That is nearly 20 years of a relationship. But am I alone in this? I'm out on George Pickens. I am out. Uh, what a talent. This guy is, he could be a star. Awful body language, slamming his helmet. He goes after the game. This is the same guy who a few weeks ago when he was asked why he didn't block, said something about, you know, I need to stay healthy. I don't want to risk injury or something like that. Just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then yesterday, he did the fan bit. The only thing he would talk about after the game is he kept talking about the refs. Refs, refs, refs. They screwed us. We lost because of the refs. Grow up, man. I just, I want to love this guy because I love him in Georgia. He's a baller. He's so talented. But God, does he act like an immature kid. I, I'm annoyed by him. Yeah, it's, it's again, it's a credit to Tomlin. He's dealt with some of those crazy, bizarre, uh, me-first type characters. And those things don't spill over and ruin their culture. But they've been there, right? I mean, you, you know some of the other names I'm probably thinking of or talking about. But... I'm with you. I, I did not. I didn't love either reaction. I, again, I, I think the world of Mike Tomlin is one of my favorite coaches of all time. I didn't love him storming out of that press conference because he was annoyed at, at the question. I get that you're ticked off that you lost. That's no fun. A lot of people have lost. Uh, and then at Pickens, I'm I'm kind of going. I actually tend to agree with you. I thought there were some pretty garbage calls there, but I don't know. There's probably there's probably another reason. There's probably another reason or two why you guys who weren't that good all year long uh, lost to a team that's really good. I don't know. The Bills. My take on them coming into the year, and, and it was a circuitous route to get here, but everyone had kind of checked out, like the the best part of their window, capital style, so to speak, had closed. 
And my point was this happens in sports all the time. When everyone thinks, oh, well, now it's not as good a team or this won't work out, mm-hmm. maybe that's the year you get hot going into the playoffs. I didn't think it would take almost not making the playoffs. But since the Sean McDermott story came out, uh, Sean Mc- the Bills have a Sean McDermott problem. And it, it, it eviscerated him as a coach and a leader. And there was a really weird anecdote in there that is ridiculous, frankly, on McDermott's part that he, he used like September 11th as a you know an, uh, motivator to his team and how... You know, the, the terrorists uh, work together. Like, the strangest thing ever, right? You remember that story? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. They're 6-0 and since then. W- whether it was purposeful or not, like, this team is banded together and something's working there. And it's not through Stephon Diggs. It, it's not the potent passing game that it's always been. They barely threw for 200 yesterday. But this is the most pain-in-the-butt version of the Bills we've seen in a long time. McDermott's done a hell of a job with that defense because they've dealt with a million injuries. There's so many injuries. I, I think that's what's going to undo them, by I the way. Too. They had a few more in this past weekend. Mm-hmm. So they go into Kansas City. I thought they could beat the Chiefs. They still may, but I'm just not sure if they're healthy enough on defense to figure it out. We'll be previewing that game as the week goes on. Next, though, what a game. The Rams and the Lions, we got what we wanted. That was every bit as close as people anticipated. And the Packers embarrassing the Cowboys. Uh, You're listening to Grant and Danny on the fan. Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Go to kmlawyers.com and mention the show to score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. Jay Gruden will be with us in 15 minutes for his normal Monday appointment here on G&D. We'll ask him about all the playoff activity over the weekend. Also, him mixing it up on social media last night with Robert Griffin and our buddy who works here at the fan, Brian Mitchell. Uh, we got to get to the bottom of uh, that with Jay coming up in just a few minutes. 2024, dude. I guess that's what we do. It is a, a weird time. Uh, all right, let's get to the Sunday slate. Rams-Lions turned out to be awesome. What an environment in Detroit. Lions are going to be a tough out at home, man. On carpet, indoors, this team has been different all year, and that building, to say electric, I think undersells it. It was so loud. It was awesome. I thought... Matt Stafford was incredible. Tough as nails, too, right? Well, I mean, him continuing to play through some of the hits was just a show. But if you know Matt Stafford, you know he's going to. But some of the sidearm throws and the dimes he was dropping, he's got covered receivers. It was a pretty virtuoso effort. He had nothing to show for it. Throws for 370 and a pair and gets eliminated. Jared Goff, uber efficient, 22 of 27. He was very sharp, 277, threw a touchdown pass. Amon Ross St. Brown, really good. Seven for a buck ten to lead the Lions. Early in that game, it was the Josh Reynolds show. Where the hell did that come from? Josh Reynolds, and by the way, the coordinator this year, statistically, they got receivers open more than anybody, was Ben Johnson, who was the... Really? Yeah, he's the coordinator of the Lions, who's a head coaching candidate. Mm. Ben Johnson alert. Ben Johnson alert. Ben Johnson alert. He was in his bag, as the kids say, early. Ten plays, 75 yards for a score on the first drive. Five for 75 and a score on the second drive. And another 11-play, 75-yard drive uh, early in the half to go up at that time 21-17. to 17. But 
But he had Josh Reynolds just streaking wide open down the field. It was quite a night to be a Lions fan. A one-point win, 24-23 to over the Rams. Dan Campbell. That is arguably the best environment I've ever been in. That, that was absolutely electric. And I think what's crazy is I was coming down for pregame warm-up, and I, you could just feel it. It was humming. The building was humming. And I swear you could feel the electricity down the tunnel from where I was coming down. And it only just grew from there. So, um, man, our fans showed up in a big way. <sighs> that guy's going to the divisional round. Anyway. Update uh, your file, man. He's a hell of a coach. Mm, he's th- there's some great coordinators. Uh, the point, though, to me is the game changed without Kyron Williams for the Rams. Not an excuse. It's just what happens. I mean, it's playoff football. Totally you, true. You, you miss stuff. He was averaging about five a carry. And he was he, crushing. He got hurt. And not having him, having Ronnie Rivers back there just was different. But what an unbelievable run from the Rams. Pretty much left for dead a month and a half ago. And they were the team that nobody wanted to play in Detroit handling. They deserve credit for it. They were really, really good. Made just enough plays on defense, it felt like. So two things. I think you're right about the Williams injury is the reason why they didn't win. The other thing was the red zone, man. They got down to the red zone time and time again. And to Aaron Glenn, who's a head coaching candidate yep. as well. But Washington's going to be interviewing him. He's the defensive coordinator for the Lions. To his credit, they got stop after stop after stop. Maher kicked field goals from 24. So that's the six-yard line. 27, 19, uh, 8-yard line, and the 29, 21-yard line. But over and over and over again. Three long double-digit play drives, get nothing for it. down, it killed them. Puka Nakua is unbelievable. What a badass that dude is. Absolutely astonishing to watch him play. Nine catches on 10 targets for 181, and to score had a 50-yard catch and run. He was a fifth-round pick. Yeah, it's a bit of a throwback, too, because the, the the receiver that hits the ground running, so to speak, usually isn't that, like, physical bruising force that's truck-sticking people in the secondary. You know, it's like you could find that I'm on Ross St. Brown to catch a bunch of passes and hit some bubble screens and get you some yardage or, you know, the, the six-foot-three thoroughbred. He's probably not track fast, Nakua. You know, I, I, that's probably why he slipped to that round. But people don't catch him on the field, and that dude is a physical mauler. I was I'm texting my buddy who's a Lions fan. Feels so good for Lions Me too. fans. And people who have picked up the Lions, like our guy Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, felt good for Ryan as well. Big Jared Goff guy through the years. Dealt with getting his teeth kicked in when Jared Goff was kicked to the curb by L.A. Uh, I thought Goff was very good. I mean, look. The key for them is he can't turn the ball over. He had the one play where he desperately tried to, where he threw the ball backwards for some inexplicable reason. I don't know what that was. Mm -hmm. And and one of his teammates jumped on it for like a lost lateral of 15 yards. But he did not turn the ball over. And when they play at home and they don't turn the ball over, they're probably going to win. And that was the case against the Rams. Uh, I want, like, you're not sold, it seems like, on Dan Campbell. But I, I want to just tip my cap to him. I, I think that guy. No, they deserve it. Leader of men. He goes for fourth downs. He's aggressive. He's analytical. I, I kind of just thought he was a meathead who wanted to, to bite kneecaps. He's really smart. I, I'm a I'm a believer. I still think that, the first thing you said, by the way. But to me, the reason I think Ben Johnson is so good is, what's Jared Goff's weakness? If you harass him at all, you get a guy that's going to be among the league leaders in turnovers, sacks, weird throwaways, you know, non-competitive passes, et cetera. He finds a way to get him clean pockets, finds a way to get him clean looks, whether it's bootlegs or you never know exactly where that tall praying mantis is going to be delivering the football. You've seen those years where he's barely one-to-one turnovers uh, to touchdowns. You've seen them. They're gone now because these last couple of seasons. He's been incredible. Yeah, he's been great. He's been a top 10 quarterback over the last couple of years. 
I will be really interested in what he looks like after Johnson leaves next year. And if he's good, then I will. I'll I will, have to swallow my words. I will gladly say Jared Goff is legit. But I believe this is in the same way that I just, I watch Tua and I go, uh-uh, nope. Now he's better than Tua, but to me, that's McDaniel. That's Tyreek. There's a lot of that. I want to see what it looks like a year from now. I just think Ben Johnson's special. Yeah, I know I'm moving the goalposts, but the years that he was good, Sean McVay's like, all right, alert left, look it over here, make sure you throw it to this guy because that's the guy that's open, boom. But here's what matters. They love him in Detroit. Yeah, they His do. His teammates love him. They, they adore this guy. They get a monster win, and now they play the Bucs, dude. They're playing Tampa. They could be in the NFC title game like this. They're going to be in the NFC championship Like this. Game. You're now you know, Brock Purdy throwing up on himself maybe or, or the Packers away. <sighs> From maybe a Super Bowl. All you got to do is beat the Bucs who, come on, really? I mean, they're not pushovers. Eh, they're, they're, kinda, not, they're not pushovers. They're kind of pushovers. They're not pushovers. A little bit. They're half of a pushover. The Eagles mm. were the worst team in football for the last five weeks of the season, and they continued to yeah. be last night. Uh, we got more games to break down as we go, but Jay Gruden joins us next. Also, speaking of Ben Johnson, we'll talk about the coaching search coming up in a half hour right here on Grant and Danny. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 